was a familiar feeling today, even even now. You know, I actually I actually got to I got to sleep in a little bit. I got to I woke up and well, my wife was at the was at the dining room table doing work, and I didn't have a whole lot of stuff to do. I just kind of had to wait around and do much not much of anything because it looks like lockdown part two is upon us. Lockdown dos, the revenge. La revenga, yeah. Yes. So I had a very familiar feeling of being simultaneously overtired and yet and yet uh, uh, sleepy, if that makes sense. Like I I overslept what I normally do on days like this, but I was also very I was sleepy until just recently. I got to close my eyes for a little bit and just felt very lazy. Yeah, obviously, you know, Lockdown 2, it's unfortunate. Uh, I would obviously prefer there not to be a Lockdown 2. Yes. Of course, going to miss friends and family. Of course, it's it's really hard for those people who are most at risk from the coronavirus and, you know, people whose, whose businesses are going out of business, all that stuff. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying I'm excited for all that. But I will say, you know, Lockdown 2, mostly bad. Mostly bad. But, but... Well, I'm going to watch a lot of movies. <laughs> well, that's that's true. I mean, and this is this is it's actually it's pretty fortunate. I I have to say because now I have a job a, a different job than this one uh that allows me to work from home. So that's 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 pretty good. And uh my wife my wife is safe. She's she can also safely work from home. All we have to do is go out and get uh get sustenance. We can have um you know, fast food delivered to us. Uh, and we're just going to take it as it comes. Of course, we're talking about lockdown measures here that have just uh, come up in Nova Scotia, the recent bursting of the Atlantic bubble, uh, because that's where we're coming to you from. We being Elwood City Limits, the episodic Arthur podcast. Uh, my name's Will Young, and, uh, well, it looks like Lucas Mancini, uh, we might not be seeing each other in person for a little while. Not that we were constantly, but we did get a nice little face-to-face Exactly. Uh, a few months ago. Yeah, luckily for the Elwood City Limits listeners, uh, no in-person contact required to record this show. Uh, we've been doing this over the World Wide Web uh, for years now, so no worries. Lockdown 2 will not impact your regularly scheduled uh, ECL content. No, at, le- at least not practically, like emotionally and mentally. Hey, and, <laughs> <it> will, <laughs> and maybe, hey, maybe that's part of the fun, right? Uh, yeah, so welcome everybody. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us for this episode. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed um, the most recent content, including our interview with Dallas Joe Kick. Um, and uh, we want to thank once again Dallas for coming onto the show. We really appreciated him. Uh, he was very giving of his time. He was a great interview. And we're glad to uh, be able to present another one to you as a little, I guess it's a pre-Christmas, a a month early Christmas present. But we still have some stuff on the way as well. And of course, as Lucas Lucas himself said, we have plenty of ways to keep this show going despite not being in person. And despite not being in person, we hear plenty from you as well over at uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. So I opened up the emails and we have a couple for you today. Uh, one of them actually is something of a something of a retraction, a an an edit, perhaps a a clarification of an of, <laughs> of an error. Uh, on the last episode, we had an email from Josh who wanted to apologize for uh, calling me Mike instead of Will. 
<laughs> what he says, one of my former classmates was named Mike Lucas. Uh, since the email was about my old school and hometown, I was also thinking about my old classmates, and I mistakenly thought the name Mike was somehow right. That's a, that's okay, Josh. It was all it was all in good fun. I just really wasn't sure where you got Mike from, and now I and now I see that is quite a bit clear. It's all it's all good. No problems here. The uh, secret third member of the ECL crew, Mike. Speaking speaking of lockdown, that was something that when lockdown started, that was kind of the joke of like, if you and your or whoever you're living with, um, instead of blaming stuff on them, you have to f- invent a third imaginary person mm-hmm. to blame stuff mm-hmm. on. So that so if anything goes wrong with the podcast, if we ever miss a date, uh, yeah. if we ever have technical issues, mm-hmm. uh, it's all it's all Mike's fault. That's Mike, yeah. Yeah. If the uh, Twitter account ever gets canceled, uh, Will wasn't posting that day. It was Mike. It was Mike. That that was complete, completely Mike. Uh, so please, please, uh, <laughs> please, please be gentle. Uh, our next one is from Kat, who has a question. If you could see a sequel to any episode, Arthur episode, which would it be? For me, it would be Arthur, It's Only Rock and Roll. I'd love to see a battle of the bands happening, and You Stink has a reunion. As for the famous band that would be hosting, I think it would be fun to see Fallout Boy in the Arthur universe, but that's just me. Hope you're both staying safe and sane. So a sequel to an episode. I think that... I feel like we're bringing this up every episode. I think, I think Lucas, you've said on the show you would like to see a, a, uh, a follow-up to Grandpa Dave's old country farm, for one. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't even seen Grandpa Dave in a while. Um, it's, it's interesting because I know that we've levied the criticism, uh, uh, against specific episodes of like, oh, I don't think this tied everything up the way I would want it to. I feel like there's like a whole another episode of content, but the episodes are kind of the ones that are intended to be, um, sort of standalone. The ones that aren't two parters really are kind of standalone in that I'm, I feel like there's not a lot other places for them to go. Um, off the top of my head, and this is kind of a weird thought but um the one with with where toady gets introduced uh yeah. just because we never we never i feel like there was more stories to tell with toady mm. uh and and because he kind of essentially gets retconned out of the show uh we never really get to see them and i, I think there's other places they could have gone with the toady character like dw having her own pet and then the kind of adventures that toady could embark on but really toady only shows up in the uh, kate and pal episodes briefly right like for yeah uh, a, a quick cameo but i would love to see you know an episode about like DW and Toadie's relationship. Uh, I forget that. What is that episode called? Will it's something Spanky? Uh, so long, Spanky. So long, Spanky. So that would be my choice as a sequel to So Long, Spanky, or maybe a prequel with Spanky. Give us an idea of what that character was like before they <laughs> died in the first two minutes on screen. Um, yeah, I think that there are some things in the earlier seasons that kind of were, they're just kind of throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what stuck. So Toadie was one of them. Um, I would like to, I'm, in fact, I'm surprised we've never really gone back to the aliens that stole DW snowball. And like, because that was a real, that was, that was one of the prime examples. If you go back to. The episode where we covered that from the first season, that was, I think that was one of our first reckonings with the magical realism of the world of Arthur. And I, I and, and it never really, there was not a whole lot of explanation to it. It's like, yeah, it was aliens all along. And then just, you know, not, not really much beyond that. I'm, I'm really surprised we haven't dipped back into that. Or maybe we will uh, at some point. We have an anonymous listener who uh, was discovered the podcast when we were covering season eight, so uh, a little while ago. They really like it a lot. 
Always interesting to listen to. Even if I don't agree with your guys' thoughts on an episode, it's great to hear why you feel that way. My top five characters are, uh, starting five going up, George, Molly, Mr. Ratburn, Fern, and Binky. Oh, very close to ours, I would say. Yeah, solid list. And my favorite episodes are Fern's Slumber Party from Season 2. It's a good one. And Season 16's The Last Tough Customer, which I'm excited for you guys to cover. Well, I'm sure we'll get to it by early 2022. <laughs> Uh, I'm also really interested to see you guys get to season 12's War of the Worms. So that's another kind of, I always appreciate it when people signpost, oh, watch out for this episode. It's a good one. I guess if I wanted to ask you guys something, what are your top three favorite Arthur characters? I'm sure both of you has Binky, have Binky as your favorite. I can guess possibilities for the others, but I'm curious to know for sure. Uh, hope you continue to thrive in the future and you still enjoy doing the podcast. So top three, and this is kind of, we've definitely covered this before, but I, I think it's good once in a while to, um, to take the temperature and kind of see where we're at with the show. Yeah. I, I definitely think we have answered this before. And, and if I contradict myself, you know, it's all about some days it's it, my top three Arthur characters is wherever the wind blows. Right. Yeah. Uh, I will say the one that is ever uh, unchanging is the number one spot, which is, of course, Binky. Yep. Uh, I think Binky, we can agree, is to this day still probably the best Arthur character in terms of he's got the most depth. He's got, he, he grows and changes the most of any character. Uh, and he's just got a lot going on and most consistently has the best episodes. Yes. Um, and then, you know, the next two, this is where it gets difficult. I think, and, and maybe it's just because she's fresh in my mind, but I think I go two and three, Molly and Mr. Rapburn. Okay. Um, but, you know, depending on the day you ask me, it could be uh, Binky, DW, Buster. Uh, it could be uh, Binky, throw Mr. Haney in, in one of those lists. You know, it, it changes all the time. Uh, but it's always, always Binky on top. What about yourself, Will? Binky on top as well, and that that doesn't really change. Uh, but you're right; it, it the other two are very much floating, and it kind of depends on like who we've seen recently, who we've covered in like the last maybe season or two of content. So, uh, because I do like a lot of the characters, I would say that with characters like Molly and Mister Ratburn, and I would also extend this to Fern as well, who is a favorite of mine. I feel like I just don't see them enough in order to really like latch onto them or at least we're kind of going we're kind of going through a bit of a drought of Fern and Mr. Ratburn. Fern did get her own episode semi recently, but I I need I need more. Like I I do yeah. need to see them a bit more. Last last season was DW heavy. There was like yes. I would say it, it was 50% DW episodes and then 50% the rest of the cast. So let's hope we see a little bit more uh, cast variety in season 11. So I'd say right now, as of November 2020, I would say Binky's number one. I would put Buster at number two because I think Buster's a real MVP. I think that uh, is very likable and consistently has at least a good line or two. And I en I enjoy a lot of his stories as well. Not all of them, but most of them. And number three, I think I might just be lame and put it put in that tie of like. Uh, well, okay. Well, all right. So I won't be lame. I'll just I'll say I'll say Fern. I really I really like when Fern shows up, and she could easily be number two if I saw her as much as Buster. But we don't. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. 
We have one here from John, one of our first patrons, John Dulong. On the last episode of the main show, there was a brief discussion about Patreon stretch goals. Will said that it felt right to ask the patrons if they were on board for a review episode for the Monster Hunter movie before promising <laughs> yes, it. Yes, John. And meanwhile, Lucas insinuated that he simply wanted to torture Will, regardless of whether or not it was popular with the patrons. As your first patron, that's right, he was our very first, I believe it is not only my right, but my sacred responsibility to speak on behalf of your Patreon supporters and say that any stretch goal where Will has to watch a bad movie is always the will of the people. And quite frankly, if it's not, it should be. All right, noted. The Literally, the only thing stopping me from putting that poll up is just waiting. I'm waiting to see if, indeed, Monster, like what Monster Hunter is going to be doing. I don't want to put the poll out and it's like, oh, it's coming out next December. Then I'll look, then I'll look foolish. A couple of things. Uh, first of all, uh, I, though I do thank you, John, for writing in, and I wholeheartedly agree with the endorsement that Will should have to watch the Monster Hunter movie, <laughs> uh, whether he likes it or not. I will say that all Patreon subscribers are created equal, uh, and whether you were the first or the most recent, we love you all. Uh, and secondly, uh, we're everybody's assuming the Monster Hunter movie is going to be bad. Now, folks, there is a chance Will could love the Monster Hunter movie. Who's it's, to say? It's, it's always there. It's it's a not zero chance. And speaking of movies uh, to watch for Patreon, there was a trailer for one released today that I think, no question, is one that we're going to have to end up seeing. And that's the movie adaptation of Clifford the Big Red Dog. Oh, man. I don't think I've seen this. Is it live action? Yeah. It's just, Who do they got playing Emily Elizabeth? I don't know. They haven't revealed any characters yet. It was literally just like a quick teaser. And oh it's my just goodness. Li- with a big dog colored red. And, it's, it, like and it, is live, it is live action. Cl- so I'm assuming it's, 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 a, it's a CGI dog. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I mean, it's in our wheel. We, it's in our wheelhouse. Like if they, who, if they, we, who we got on to direct this? Clifford, mm, the big red dog. Anyway, Let's see if there's any yeah. casting news. John uh, ends off here. No big deal. If any of you ECL listeners have to happen to be fans of Liverpool Football Club and are looking for a new podcast, check out the Canada Cop. That's cop spelled K-O-P. Available on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. That's a cheap plug for our friend and friend of the show, John. Uh, so yeah, uh, keep an eye on the Patreon for that, for that poll, uh, sooner rather than later. Any, any, uh, info about Clifford? Uh, the first thing that comes up when you Google Clifford the Big Red Dog Movie 2020 is a Vulture article that says, the new Clifford the Big Red Dog is terrifying. It's just, it's just a golden retriever painted red in Photoshop. It's really not that bad. Darby Camp. Are okay. you familiar with Darby Camp plays Emily Elizabeth? No. Uh, Keenan Thompson <laughs> oh my is, God. Is, doesn't say who he's playing. Uh, and that's pretty much, you know, Rosie Perez is in it. All right. Uh, uh, Russell Peters is in the film. John Cleese. Okay. Uh, who do we got here? Who do we got signed on to direct this masterpiece? Walt Becker. Let's see. Let's see if Walt Becker... Oh, man, Will. What are we looking at here? Oh, goodness. Would you like to know uh, the three other films Walt Becker is known for directing? Oh, boy. Tell me. Come on, tell me. Uh, Van Wilder. <laughs> Great start. Oh, Will, Will, it gets better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wild Hogs. Oh, no. 
and old dogs. Oh, man. Wild Hogs might be one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, Wild Hogs is a real, <laughs> real, real whole. That, that movie is like Hog Jack is right. and Jill tier in terms of like, it's not even like, haha, this movie's bad funny. It's like, this is, please, someone turn it off. Great. So I guess we can expect great things for. See, now, Monster Hunter not seeming so bad now, Will. <laughs> We'll tr- we'll try and uh, we'll try and cover Clifford sometime soon on for the kids and maybe we can give give kind of a happy uh, alternative to whatever Clifford the Big Red Dog the movie may be. Our last one here from Funith. Do you guys have a list of worst Arthur characters? You guys comment on characters at their worst in certain episodes, so I've been wondering if there's an Arthur character you like the least if you were to make the list. My least favorite of all the Arthur characters is LaDonna Compson, who we've only seen uh, if you have listened to the most recent commentary uh, that we did on DW and the Beastly Birthday, which is available to patrons right now. Once you get to the Flash animated series, they introduce her as a new character of the cast that you could classify as the Poochie of the series, minus the satire. It's like the writers were desperate for a gimmick to add to the new seasons and set up a spinning dartboard with any random quirks and traits they thought up off the bat and threw blindfolded to whatever stuck. I'm not alone in that sentiment, since whatever forum I look up about the character seems to be filled with unanimous disdain when all I type in the Google search engine is LaDonna Compson. I can't wait for you guys to get to the new seasons so I can hear your takes on said character. Didn't get a good enough feel feel for her in the more recent Arthur episodes we've talked about, so can't say one way or the other. Least favorite? I know yours, Will. <sighs> Do, it's, oh, oh. it's, of course, it's, of course, our, our uh, favorite character, mystery grade three student from the other class. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think even then it's it's just like you know you know I'm 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 starting to I'm starting to feel, I'm starting to feel like a performing monkey. People are either, whether the emails or whether it's you. People elbowing me in the ribs are just like yeah you hate that guy don't you? Will I'm like I guess he says like two lines and he just says it. Oh, oh, in oh, a excuse wind. me, Will. Will what are those two lines by the way? Pray what? tell. Shut up. Why are you doing this to me? I just I, I just don't remember. It's, it's escaped me. The two what lines. What rhymes with orange? No, that was that was bad. What rhymes with orange? And then Arthur giving an appropriate angry face. Um, no, I t- <laughs> that was more funny. I think that's just something mm-hmm. I would. I should go back to that episode and listen and listen to my initial reaction. I wonder if it was so hateful that four years later people are still talking about it. Well, speaking of of kind of uh, uh, time healing the hate, yes, uh, yes, if you will, um, you know, I, I think years ago I would have had many answers to this question. Um, I used to really not like Muffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely used to like detest Prunella and uh, Prunella's older sister. What's her name? Rubella. 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 Actually, you know what? I will say I, I'll probably actually still say Rubella is probably my least favorite character. Though I will say Prunella has it grown on me greatly these past four years, and now Same. I would counter it amongst uh, the characters I, I enjoy. Uh, but that's I think a testament to the quality of Arthur's characters is that um, even the flawed ones. Uh, I actually really really. Oh, you know what? Do you know who's my least favorite character? I, got uh, it. I think I think I know, and it might be mine too. Is it the brain? Uh, it is the brain. Yeah. Uh, as of late, the way the brain has been written, um, you know, the brain at its best, like, there's some really good brain episodes. Like, remember the episode where uh, the brain has, like, really good manners, and then when the Arthur goes to the brain's house? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's surprised. Uh, 
Like, that's, I think, the brain at his best. But in the past few seasons, the brain has literally been written as Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. And he is the only character maybe in the cast where I think he's got X-Pac heat with me, where Mm -hmm. he he doesn't really add anything to an episode. And in fact, he could be quite irritating most of the time. Whereas, you know, Mm -hmm. characters like Muffy, at least Muffy, they've... Buffy's, of course, intentionally annoying, but they do really interesting things with her, especially lately. Um, The brain, they've just kind of done the inverse where the brain's been dumbed down ironically dubbed down dubbed down until he's just this kind of one-dimensional uh science guy uh and there isn't really anything else to him i agree and dumbed down or watered down perhaps is is yeah but you're right and the thing is is that brain didn't build up the kind of cash with us early on in the series that were like, oh, but, but but Brain's usually great. We're just like, okay, well, now Brain sucks and we don't like him. It's not like, you know, we had a, we had a spate of DW episodes that weren't really for us, but it's like DW has been great since the first time she was on the show. So we're just like, ah, you know, whatever. Like, DW's time will come again. We have we have time for her. We have patience for her, for her and other characters like her. And like you said, Prunella and Muffy, I think, and spoilers for the episode we're going to talk about, have, um, ha- have had moments to shine and have had kind of moments to diversify themselves that I think have really worked, at least worked for me. I would say, so Brain's a good one. Brain is one that I intellectually... Uh, kind of end up disliking because I, f- I find him annoying and I just, especially like his character type that he has to play, I find that annoying. <laughs> there's, there's great things they could do with Brain. You know, I like Brain's sure. family and how supportive they are. I, I love, my favorite thing they did with the Brain character is, you know, his love for old blues music. I think that's really sure. cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, every time he opens his mouth in an episode lately, I'm cringing. Um, the other, the other is, this is, this is very, this is not intellectual at all. It's, it's the Tibble twins. I get a very, I very viscerally dislike them. And I will, and we won't get it. I, I, I will save my thoughts on it for right now. That doesn't mean that I don't, th- I think they don't have a place in the show. That doesn't mean that I don't think you can tell good stories with them. But the way that, the way that they act just, I guess maybe it's the, the, um, the non-existent dad within me just kind of rises my raises my blood pressure watching them sometimes so we'll we'll make it into that a little bit later because yeah i think there might be a little bit of recency bias with that one could be uh, be. i i usually actually don't mind the tibble twins i think they're pretty funny but i will say that uh given the current episode we watched uh, I might tend to agree with you uh, as of late. There's, I mean, they're rarely allowed to be characters. They're usually just such forces of chaos that if they're around for a long period of time, you just kind of, I just kind of can't stand them. Anyway, thanks everybody for your emails. Some good questions there, and kind of good to take the t- our temperatures on some of the Arthur stuff that sometimes we take for granted. Uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com if you would like to send us any correspondence that way. We're also available on all of our social media. Now, as we mentioned in the last episode, I'm going to be cutting down on the amount of Patreon patrons who are mentioned at the beginning of the episode. So I'm going to be doing about 10 at a time. So if, you do, if you're a patron and you don't hear your name in this episode, please be patient. I will be getting to it in turn. And of course, this is also a blanket thank you to everybody, patrons like you, including K2 Sonic fan, Riley Hendrickson, 
Kelsey Taylor, Girl Cried Comet, Sydney Long, Bob Yee, Robert Morrison, Allison Archambault, Jeffrey Gao, and Hannah Kitten. See, if we if I limit the amount of people, then that means I can give them all a nice little read, a nice flourish instead of just because there's like 60 of them to read through. Really appreciate your time and your contributions to the show. And we have in, continued to enjoy making content for you, like uh, this week's episode of For the or the most recent episode of For the Kids, Dragon Tales. Uh, patrons, if you haven't checked that one out, please do. If you if that sounds like something you might want to, then feel free to sign up for our Patreon. Okay, so season eleven, we are still in the early stages of it, trying to figure out how we feel, and we're talking about Arthur sells out. This one has a couple of references to older Arthur material. In fact, we start off with one with the commercial for Dark Bunny Revenge of the Moomies. So I feel like every season uh, we, we kind of send this season off being like, okay, this, this upcoming season, it's uncharted waters. Lucas has finally never seen any of these episodes. It's all going to be fresh. Uh, I've definitely seen this sequence before, Dark yeah. Bunny and Revenge of the Boobies, because I, I had this this I didn't remember the rest of this episode, but I do have this like memory of of you know seeing this sequence and being like whenever they show a video game on Arthur, and because I was you know this is embarrassing to say, Will, but when I was a little kid, yeah, one might describe me as a gamer. I know, <gasps> I know, I know, I know, it's a shocking revelation. Oh my god! Oh my god! I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But, we, sp- we should have talked about this off air. Listen, listen, you know, working on all of us. Uh, but uh, we should, but uh, uh, my my seated past aside, uh, whenever they were showing uh, like a fake game on Arthur, they always make it be like, oh man, I wish this game was real. This game looks cool. Uh, yeah. And and Dark Bunny Revenge of the Boobies, uh, it follows that tradition. It looks like a fun game, and also immediately you you what a way to start off the or I guess I it's not quite starting off the season. This is the second set of episodes, but what a way to start an episode just like with this voiceover. I'm like, this isn't Arthur. Who is this? Um, I was immediately engaged. And uh, it also continues the tradition of video game trailers, uh, sometimes sweetening the content that you're in store for. That's right. Not actual gameplay footage. It, it's missing that little watermark in the corner. This is a Killzone 2 uh, <laughs> looking trailer. Alpha build. Mm. Um, this is, of course, a callback to the season six episode Crushed, in which Arthur and his babysitter were playing uh, the Dark Bunny, the original Moomies game. Uh, that they didn't end up beating. So this is a sequel. Arthur and Buster are looking at the commercial, and they really, really want it, but of course they don't really have much money. We get an exchange here. Buster says, If I bought everything I ever wanted, I'd have to have so many jobs, I'd never be able to play with the things that I bought. And Arthur adds, Just like grown-ups. And that one one hurt my feelings. Yes, that's very... It's more true than they could ever know. So yeah, the the conundrum here is that of course they want to get this game, and it's it's the cla- it's the classic dilemma of childhood is that you want to get something but you just don't have the money for it. But then Buster comes up with an idea. They find a box of basically junk in Arthur's garage, you know, old toys, kind of memorabilia, that sort of stuff, and they decide to give it a go at selling it. And Buster recommends Arthur sets up ads on the school newspaper's website. So it's not eBay. It's not even really Kijiji. It's like a local uh, ad board or ad board 
for selling stuff. So Arthur decides to adopt the moniker of Toy Guy 22 and uh, put up some ads for, you know, this stuff is not all of it's bad, but, you know, it's, a, you know, dusty or dirty or broken. So it's, it's just kind of old junk that they didn't really have an idea for. Uh, this this is funny because Arthur putting this stuff up for sale. I'm currently procrastinating putting up some uh, GameCube stuff for sale that I am going to put up through Kijiji and eBay. So this was another like, you should probably Ooh. get to that. You could use the money. Ooh, before you do that, Will, maybe we should talk about that off air. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You got any copies of Super Monkey Ball 2? No, I'm afraid not. No, not that okay. specifically. Okay, okay. So Arthur's... You know, he round, he rounds up all this stuff. It's like a collection of tin soldiers. It's an old stuffed hippo that has like a stain on it and all this kind of not not great stuff. And he's just like, Alright, I'm gonna put this up on the website and this is gonna this is gonna sell and get me money. And it is kinda cool. We have moved into the we have moved into the era of Arthur where the internet is a thing. So, uh, you know, he gets his mom to help him and this is something that you know, f- feasibly, even though this was like in 2007 or whenever it was, this is feasibly something that uh, a kid Arthur's age could get into and maybe even excel at. But mm-hmm. I think I think at this time is when I started buying games off Kijiji and stuff. Interesting. But unfortunately, Arthur is not seeing much success. This is exactly what happens to me when I put something up, up on Kijiji for what I think is a is a fair price, but well, no, well, appara- just doesn't Apparently, the, the world, it's it, Kijiji's over, Will. It's all about Facebook Marketplace. Is it really? I've, oh, I've... yes. Oh, yes. I and, and listen, I had the same reaction you did. Everybody's talking about, telling me about Facebook Marketplace this, Facebook Marketplace that. Yeah. I've, I've been uh, looking for furniture lately for the apartment, uh, and Facebook Marketplace is the Wild West, Will. People are giving away three-piece couches for 50 bucks, antique three-piece couches. Some people are like, Hey, here's these two love seats. If you can come get them, they're yours. Like yeah, yeah, it is, classic. it is, it is wild out there. So uh, that is the place to be. I'll have to write that down. So they are bemoaning their lack of success to Muffy, and of course, this is exactly the person you want to be talking to. Muffy immediately has ideas about how to sell Arthur's stuff. See, I need some of Muffy's marketing know-how in order to get my Kijiji ads to really. Uh, hit the hit their zenith. Um, she knows exactly what she's talking about. So they basically she takes them through through a whole crash course of how to improve stuff, and it's from everything from you know marketing related jargon to color, you know color photos. Uh, because Arthur's just put up like a text ad and just like buy these things, and Muffy is just like, no, 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 we have to take a picture of it. You need to be. She takes a picture of it with her three megapixel, three megapixel camera. digital camera. Remember having to plug the digital camera into the computer to get the photos off of it. Those are gonna look like some potato, like potato looking uh, uh, pics. Let me tell you something. Those are gonna be some rough JPEGs. Yeah, there's a very specific aesthetic to it. Uh, there are certain ways to advertise, like certain words to use. Of just like I, I, this might be later, but eventually she's like, if it's, you know, if it's got a little bit of wear and tear to it, say well loved, or if it's falling apart, call it handyman special. We even see her using paint. She's using paint to create like a custom page and to kind of spruce it up a bit. You know, this this was actually a cool sequence. I liked this because we see, you know, we see Muffy as the stereotypical rich girl so many times is that she doesn't know how the world works. She just kind of, you know, wants a lot of things and her dad gets it for her. This is saying that no, M- Muffy being around, 
you know, not just a car salesman, but just wealth in general, has made her savvy towards marketing. So she has a lot of transferable skills that she demonstrates in this little um, montage. She knows how to market. She knows how to write ad copy. She knows how to design. She knows how to use, like, Photoshop and paint. It's actually really cool. It made me respect Muffy a little more. And later on in the episode, we learn that she's kind of inherited uh, knowing the the legal parameters uh, of marketing and sales and, and knowing how to kind of exploit those um, later on in the episode. So the Muffy turns out to be a wealth of knowledge, uh, even the forbidden kind, later on in this episode. That's right. And her tips all work. Arthur manages to sell all but even just the, mo- like the most raggedy of yes. some of that stuff. Uh, B- Buster asks, even the Woogle? Uh, I ca- which, I kind which of is a great throwback. I kind of can't believe that Arthur didn't sell the Woogle faster because I'm sure that there's some weirdo out there who is like collecting every like Gen One Woogle. That well, I believe that's why dollar. it sells. He goes, "Yeah, some guy needed to complete his collection." But I just I like the idea of like everyone is so disgusted by the Woogles. Like there has been such a hard shift in the culture in regards to everybody wanted a woogle and then immediately afterwards everybody was so over a woogle yeah um in our reality of course he sold the woogle right of course there's some sort of sicko out there who wants the complete mint inbox woogle collection um but i love the logic of the arthur universe that buster and arthur are completely mystified by someone wanting a woogle again and also i just like the woogles keep coming back i I always love it when they like what season was that that was like season maybe three i want to say yeah oh my goodness what a throwback well it's funny the the woogle uh wave uh, really crested like uh, like Tiger King did earlier this year. It was like a an intense uh, couple of weeks that was over just as quickly as it began, uh, or so it seems. So uh, Muffy is talking about the different ways in which you can advertise your product. So she gives him the example of like, do you think that Bionic Buddy really likes Dippy Doodles? No, he's paid to say that. And Arthur has a great line here. He says, don't tell Buster. It'd crush him. <laughs> like, Buster, um, like Buster's viewing of Bionic Bunny is based on Arth- on uh, Bionic Bunny selling whatever the snack <laughs> product is. That's really uh, good. They This this conversation spurned by, uh, uh, you know, Muffy talking about how we need, like, a celebrity in Dorso. Um, yes. And then... Arthur brings up a character that I never thought we were going to see again, Beauregard Poulet. Do you remember, Will, who Beauregard Poulet is? I I certainly do. And Arthur's like, I don't know. I don't know that many celebrities. I'm like, the hell you don't. Arthur knows so many celebrities. I believe Arthur knows Slick Willie, a.k.a. President Bill Clinton. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Rogers? Like, come on. the, The list goes on here. Um, and then Muffy encourages him to do a rave. <laughs> Wait a minute, yeah, Yo-Yo Ma is like a faux call away. Yeah, so is Josh Redman. Arthur participates in what Muffy calls a rave, which is basically when you use a chat room or like a public phone call, and you do like this kind of fake conversation about how well your stuff is selling. I've never heard of this before. I want- so I, I, I've heard of this, uh, and only because I went to... Uh, PR school and community college and, and we had to take like marketing classes uh-huh. and they talk about this uh, and this was apparently a real thing back in the day um, in our 2020 world it just seems insane like I, I but I suppose this is just an earlier version of like influencers in a way right because like the whole point 
of, of influencers is, well, at least originally, now Gen Z is pretty much impervious to this, but uh, originally when influencers started to prop out, their endorsement mean a lot more than like a celebrity endorsement because, uh, you know, consumers weren't, they weren't wise to the idea, they, they thought, oh, okay, this person earnestly enjoys this product, and so their endorsement goes a longer way, like, oh, right. I, I, this person actually uses this, I, I have more trust with them. And, and there were um, maybe, and there were maybe less scrupulous ways of hiding the fact that that like a post was advertised content yes. pre people had to put pre people putting hashtag ad yes uh, in their posts and stuff like that um so this is kind of an early version of that of, of you know paying someone to have a loud conversation uh, about a product get getting the word on the street if you will um and this really did happen i don't know how effective it was it seems kind of insane uh but it is a real thing yeah. Uh, okay. So th- that I'm glad that you can answer that. It's just I had never heard of that because I've, well, didn't take advertising in school. You know, we've I've I've learned about ad- different forms of advertising here and there, uh, but not that one. So that was actually really interesting to to know a bit more about. So this is at the point where we're Muffy is encouraging kind of less scrupulous methods of advertising the toys that can't be sold. So like this is where we get the conversation about like, you know, the hippo is, you know, the hippo isn't dirty. It's like well loved. This truck isn't breaking down. It's a handyman special. Um, and the big one we get is that is did you notice this is the cameo from the cyber toy that Buster stole? Yes. I did recognize that. Lots of great throwbacks in this episode. Not only did I not expect to hear about Woogles and Beauregard Poulet, uh, but yeah, I remember um, to, to think, and it, it really goes to show the way you know kids and their relationship with toys. Uh, this was a toy that uh, Arthur and Buster wanted so bad they were risking becoming criminals. Uh, and now, you know, it's just something that they, they're trying to get rid of, which is pretty funny. I I should also mention in the scene, so like Arthur goes into the sugar bowl to place a fake phone call about how well his toys are selling, and nobody's really paying attention. DW just goes, "Why are you yelling about yourself?" Because um, he's like, "Oh, Toy Guy Twenty Two has the best deals in town." So he does end up selling the cyber that cyber toy, and the problem is is that its arms keep falling off. So it's basically broken. To James, who is speaking fast- of bro- oh, speaking of broken toys, we we talked over this, but um, when Arthur's doing inventory of all of his toys earlier in the episode, uh, there's a part where he's like got eight cowboys. By the way, eight of the identical cowboy toy. Don't know how he came across those. Yeah, uh, but he gives Kate one of them to play with, and Kate immediately busts it. Um, and then he writes down seven cowboys, and, and he takes the, the toy away, and then Kate starts crying, and then he gives it back. Uh, Arthur, my my dude, that toy is a choking hazard. Kate yeah, should not be playing with that cowboy. Yeah, it's real pointy, too. Uh, not exactly baby safe. So Arthur has a moment here. So James, like, the arms fall off the toy as he's bringing it out of Arthur's garage. And Arthur's very happy because he finally has the money to buy the video game. And then James is like, oh, this, it's broken. So Arthur has a dilemma to make here. Buster immediately kind of assumes the best and is just like, okay, well, then Arthur will pay you back. But then Muffy, but then Muffy kind of sideways encourages Arthur to be like, well, buyer beware. No refunds. This is a great kind of uh, uh, analogy for uh, the corporation itself as an entity. Uh, Arthur is, is putting his trust that they'll regulate themselves. 
Uh, whereas, uh, and, and, and what does Muffy do? Well, she does what corporations do, which you give an inch, they'll take a mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and our, th- what's great about this whole sequence is that Buster's just like completely aghast and shocked when Arthur's like, yeah, Muffy says it's, you know, all sales are final. And Buster is just like totally shocked that Arthur had this within him. Yeah, and he he reminds Arthur of a time when they were also cheated out of something when they got sea squirrels, which is basically you know like sea monkeys. You you know you're supposed to put it in a uh, a thing of water and watch it grow, and it totally didn't do that. They just basically got bilked when they were like four years old or something. And Buster Buster uh, on his moral high horse here a little bit, he says it's bad enough when grownups cheat kids, but when kids cheat kids, it's like a meltdown of the fabric of our society. And who wants melty fabric? So he re- really guilt trips Arthur here, but it's like it's it is true. Like Arthur is cheating, you know, J- like James, who's a four year old, out of what looks to be a matter of cents, like maybe fifty cents. Uh, so you can get the video game. And <laughs> Muffy assures Arthur that he hasn't done anything super wrong. She says, at most, it's a misdemeanor. The worst you'd get is house arrest. Uh, but nothing really comes of that. Arthur goes to the store with his uh, ill-gotten gains to buy the video game. But then he decides to buy. He decides to look for something else in the last minute before he buys the video game. And we eventually go back to Buster and James. Buster offered to fix the cyber toy, um, but it seems it can't be fixed. So they are instead playing a game where James flings the uh, the robot's arms onto a target that looks like Arthur on the I sidewalk. I love this. It's, it's like the classic, like, use someone you dislike's face as a dartboard. So Arthur comes up to them. By the way, this is where I made the note. So, of course, we mentioned in the first episode of season 11 that James's original voice actor is now voicing DW, and we have a different voice actor for James. I think James sounds more grown up with this voice actor. Mm-hmm. Which He's... I guess makes narrative sense, right? Like usually the uh, voice actor's voice is changing is so noticeable because they'll sound younger because mm-hmm. the voice actors age out of the role because their voices start to change. Um, but James sounding older doesn't sound like that much of a, of a weird adjustment because naturally even though the characters don't age james would sound older so instead of buying the video game uh arthur bought james a brand new cyber toy that works perfectly well with his money and that's kind of arthur arthur has learned his lesson and uh but in, but instead of you know making a sacrifice and you know actually learning something uh it turns out muffy just buys the video game anyway and lets arthur and buster play it well, and uh, then the other kicker is that the video game's not even good. So Muffy's yeah. got this. First of all, it looks like it's running on a. It's either a Dreamcast or a, a it, PlayStation One. Totally a Dreamcast. It yeah. absolutely is a Dreamcast. And then th- this whole thing is crazy. So we have this like crazy menu that's like definitely 3D graphics. At first, I thought it was going to be like a Crash Bandicoot like. Then M- the- Muffy is navigating the menus with like an odd screen cursor. So this game, you know, predates Destiny. Uh, uh, using a fake cursor for its menu navigation, or any other game that does that, and then th- when we see the game, it's like a it's like a sides like a pitfall style side scroller uh, where the main character does not animate. 
It looks like it looks like the quality of like an educational game or like a Bible game or something. Mm-hmm. Like a math blaster, sub math blaster tier. I would go absolutely as far as to sub say. math blaster. Yeah, and they just decide like, oh, well, this kind of sucks. And I actually really liked this because it's it's a chill. It's a child's first crappy game. And it's like we all have that experience mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. first truly bad game where we, even as children, were like, this sucks. Like, video what? games can be bad. I remember buying Pokemon Revolution for the Wii or Pokemon Stadium Revolution. I don't remember. There was a there was like a sequel to Pokemon Stadium on the Wii that was like, if you didn't have Pokemon Diamond or Pearl, it was essentially useless. Uh, and I remember that was the first time I re- uh, returned a game I bought the same day I bought it. Wow. How old were you? Oh, geez. Let's, okay, well, let's figure it out. I bought it on launch day, so let's see. Pokemon, it would have been the Wii, so it wouldn't, it would have been probably around when this episode came out, actually. Let's see. Pokemon Revolution? So while you look that up, um, I was, I was the same person, I kind of got video games a bit late, so I was like. Wow, December 14th, 2006. It would have been right around when this Arthur episode was out. Pokemon Battle Revolution. Almost 14 years to the day. Um, yeah, so I was, like, slobberingly grateful for any video game that I got for a long time. It took me a while to understand that the games I was playing were, like, bad. So, the one that sticks out to me is, like, the first time I played Superman 64, which is, like, one of the cla- one of the classic bad games. But it's, like, I liked Superman, I loved playing my Nintendo 64, I remember renting that and being, like, why, why is nothing working? Why isn't this, like, play, like, why can't I beat this? Like, why isn't this, like playing well and that's was my first taste of like you know video games can actually be bad <laughs> so that's uh that i just ran into that classic example right there off the bat so they decide to uh uh get to stop playing the game after they see how bad it is and arthur says if you're gonna try and sell that don't call me uh <laughs> That's the end of the episode. All right, so let's. Uh, so we've got that one in the bag. Now we're going to be checking out a bit of a different uh, narrative after this. Hey, everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast. And if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits at ECL podcast. That's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new uh, bi-weekly PBS Kids Review Show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review, you can check out patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post in from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, 
That's going to be at elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. That's also where you could send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Well, I mentioned earlier that uh, my patient run my patience runs thin for the Tibble twins, and unfortunately, they are the focus of this story called Mind Your Manners. But I'll tell you who I have a lot of time for. I have a lot of time for Mrs. Tibble. When uh, we start the episode off, she is placing a call to Grandma Thora about maybe being able to go out and trying to find a babysitter. And that just made me want an episode where Mrs. Tibble and Grandma Thora have a girls' night. Uh, they're they're gonna go see a movie, and this makes me uh, it begs the question: What movie would Grandma Thora and Mrs. Uh, Tibble be going to see? Uh, my first inclination is, of course, every old person's favorite movie of all time, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Oh uh, yeah, which uh, famously was in theaters extremely long uh, because old people simply kept going to go see it. Uh, but that movie came out in 2002. This would have been like 2006. So, Will, what are these two uh, grandmas, you know, planning on going to go see? Well, Lucas, I think that's a really good question. I kind of wish I'd prepared for it, so I'm uh, feverishly preparing for it now. I'm going to 2007 in film, and I'm going to go down Ooh, to the 2007 end. in film is a great – it is probably of the aughts. My favorite year of movies, by the way. So I'm going to go down to the June releases. And I'm going to take a look through here and see what exactly... So I'm going through the June releases. I'm going to say that there's might be not too much that would be rolling over from May. There's probably something that I am forgetting. But I'm just going to go with the main releases in June. Now maybe they're going to see um, A Mighty Heart. Starring Angelina Jolie. I would say, oh man, can I just also, again, 2007 is like the 1999 of the 2000s. There's like some incredible movie, you know, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, American Gangster, Michael Clayton, Into the Wild, the remake of Funny Games, Sunshine, the assassination of Jesse James, uh, Death Proof, uh, uh, some you know darjeeling limited uh darjeeling limited rather uh some inc- juno uh, oh, ratatouille all-time great year for movies that being said and this might not be accurate to the month uh the movie i think uh grandma thora uh, would be asking to go see is probably elizabeth the golden age okay yeah 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 no i'm looking at the wikipedia article now the only other outside chances i did go i did dip into may a little bit so at the beginning of june was released sorry it's uh uh oh you know what you know what was released in june that they might be seeing la vie en rose starring oh, yes. marianne cotillard so that sound that sounds like something that's I, I you know what that's gonna be my pick i think they're gonna gonna go see la vie en rose but yeah 2007 excellent year for movies all as you mentioned for year, all those reasons yeah. and more um so yeah mrs tibble is looking through a website called extreme sitters which she finds by going to the search engine called woohoo not yahoo woohoo and uh, she finds the website extreme sitters 
one of whom is like a lion tamer. Oh, so he- just just a quick note on this, and, and again, I, I brought this up before, but in the early seasons of Arthur, the, Arthur, there was always like kind of a very, very, very loose connection between the two episodes. Um, or the two stories in one episode, rather, right? So it wouldn't be, like, the main plot line, but there would be some kind of connecting tissue. Um, and in this episode, it's people using computers is, like, the loose thread that, that uh, thematically connects these two episodes. Loose indeed. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about that. But you're not wrong. One of, the, one of them is, like, a lion tamer who's, like, like, I think he's, like, Australian, just like, I'll whip those boys into shape, will we? And it's, it's a very obviously Bruce Dinsmore. Yes, very good ear. I noticed that as well. And there's another one who is like a folk singer who is barely hanging on, who, <laughs> ha- who says, if you're happy and you know it, you should stop. If you're naughty and you know it, you should stop. That's it. Uh, so she can't. Uh, Mrs. Tibble can't find any suitable sitter, so it looks like she won't be going out at all. And it's like as the Tibbles are wreaking havoc in the background, and this is <laughs> not only that the Tibbles lay eye on the for- eyes on the folk singer, and they're like, "Oh, I want to like fill her shoes filled with pudding or something." Like they're already planning like what kind of devious uh, uh, torture they would put that poor woman through. Yeah, and <laughs> poor Mrs. Tibble. We we did we know so much about her, and this is I'm just. I'm so curious to know what she really feels about taking care of them. Now, I know that she I know that she loves them. And that I think a lot of her actions in this episode and in previous episodes are much to the point that she does love Timmy and Tommy. But I just I do want to see her when she's not being like perfect grandma. Uh so the episode starts with DW and Emily in the sandbox as DW brings out her farm animals to play with. And Emily brings out hers, which is, like, a rainbow-colored ox that she got from a, like, Cirque du Soleil type of production that she went to see with her grand-mère, which which immediately I had to roll my eyes, just like, oh, she would call her her grand-mère. Give me a break. But then the Tibbles interrupt by, like, basically digging themselves in the sand and, like, spraying sand everywhere and just, just being the menaces that they are. This is... You know, th- this is the kind of visceral reaction I have to the to the Tibbles, and it's just like it's just I was not, I personally wasn't this type of kid, and I wasn't really friends with these types of kids, so th- I don't have a lot of patience for it. And I know that there are people out there who um, who are way better at dealing with these types of kids, and I'm just not. I have no time for it. Well, well, you're talking to one. I had as a child what you oh. would call behavioral problems. Uh, <laughs> nowadays, they call it ADHD. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, so I think I have a little bit more uh, sympathy for the Tibbles uh, because of that kind of lived experience. But I do not blame you, especially in this episode, uh, because boy, howdy, do they ever push the limits. Yeah. Um, you know, const- constantly running around. And uh, I should say that Emily um, was spending time with her grandmare for Grandparents' Day, and DW says, I made my grandma a card for Grandparents' Day. By the way, can we go back? I might add Emily to the list of least favorite characters. Emily's a a good one. I'm surprised that we we forgot about her, but I think that just proves... It's hard to hate on a toddler, I think, is is (laughs) why, or like a preschooler, rather, Uh, but oh boy... You're right. Uh, she often gets a lot of flack from us, and I would say rightfully so. But yeah, the Tibbles interrupt them, and 
they kind of ask them what they what they did for their grandmother for grandparents day and they're like you know we we forgot we maybe we should maybe we should do something so they kind of roll it over in their heads a little as much as they can roll something over in their heads and they see an advertisement on tv for like an italian restaurant and so they're like okay we should take grandma there we have three dollars we can pay for it they, oh, I'm sorry, they also make mention, you know, their initial thing is like, we could take her to a wrestling match, and then they start fighting each other. And the idea of going to a wrestling match or to a restaurant just made me very, very jealous. Talk about lockdown. That's I kind know. of what, what yeah. came to mind for me. So the thing being here that, you know, they want to take Grandma to a restaurant, but as they as Grandma knows, but they don't, the tibbles can't be taken anywhere. Uh, they wake up Grandma at 5.30 the next morning, uh, to serve her breakfast in bed, but of course they pour the milk on the bed by accident. Uh, and Grandma is like, you know, they say that, you know, they w- want to wish her a happy Grandparents' Day. And g- this is where Mrs. Mrs. Tibble, I, I keep calling her Grandma Mrs. Tibble because I keep forgetting that we know her as Mrs. Tibble, that, you know, they say, like, they want to take her to a restaurant, and Mrs. Tibble's like, I don't know. Remember the last time we did that? And it was at a restaurant called Mill Creek Munch, which is in the Mill Creek Mall in Elwood City, where, you know, the Tibbles just kind of did their thing. They fought. They, you know, sprayed each other with food. They had a big food fight, and the manager kicked them out. So Grandma is very – Mrs. Tibble, sorry, is very be- is very beaten down by By the them. way, the, uh, the manager of the uh, Mill Creek Munch, throwaway character of the week. Look at that guy's toupee. He's very angry. He's like very, I would say righteously so. He definitely, so, they, they nailed like the small business owner look though with his like, he's got this weird like slouching posture and he's just like, you, he just looks like the type of guy who's like, and hey, rightfully so, but like get these kids out of my business. Grandma, very, God, okay, sorry. Mrs. Tibble, very beaten down by the way that they are, is just like, why don't we just have some cake at home? And there's a, there's a couple of reads in this episode where Mrs. Tibble sounds like like battered almost. She's just like, oh, that's okay. Like she puts a little willowiness into her voice and just like, oh my God, just living with these monsters for time on end. And you're right, Lucas, there, there are plenty of kids who are like this in one form or another, and they're not monsters, but the Tibbles are, we rarely get to see them be better than this. So we don't get to, we only get to see the bad days. We don't see the good ones. And, and, and speaking of bad days, we kind of double down because if watching the Tibbles kind of abjectly torture their, their grandmother, is it bad enough? We then cut to this sequence of the Tibbles essentially preparing to to uh, uh, go do a dinner for for Mrs. Tibble, um, and it's just like them basically doing like improv comedy in the the playground, and this was like it, it. This just gets worse and worse and worse as it goes on in terms of like intentionally so, but in terms of like if you thought the Tibbles were annoying before, wait till this sequence happens because it's like even DW who people have problems with or you know we've said you know last season was really DW heavy and sometimes DW gets on people's nerves. Very rarely does like DW relish in her annoying qualities in the way the Tibbles do in this sequence where they're just like. Like you said, chaos incarnate. Yeah, and before before we do get to that, they're having lunch together, and the Tibbles are having like jam sandwiches, and the jam's like spurting out of their sandwiches onto themselves, and they're just kind of not really fussed about it. 
And they asked DW to help them with table manners, and DW rightfully says, no, I'm done teaching the Tibbles. And so you're right, they do have a sequence outside where they do try and do it themselves, which is, well, it was always going to be folly. So Timmy, uh, you know, uh, Tommy's pretending to be Mrs. Tibble, and Timmy is serving her. And <laughs> Tommy's like, may I please have some juice? And Tommy, Timmy just pours it on the table. <laughs> and then he pours himself a glass. <laughs> and, and then, you know, would you like some cookies? Mashed or crumbled? And they say mashed. And they just mash them up in the juice. And I really thought... Also, like wait a minute. No wonder the t- the table, the tibbles behave so poorly. Look at how many cookies their grandma packed up for lunch. Do you know what kind of sugar rush that would give a kid that age? There's yeah. like... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's like twelve cookies, if not That's more. So many. Like even like even if you divide it in two, six is a lot of cookies for one kid. So they mash it up, they they mix it in the juice, it creates like kind of like a like a paste almost, and they're just like rolling around in it. I really like I expected them to just like eat it straight off the table like like little stupid piglets. I was just well, like, even worse, they start smacking each other with this concoction. This right, juice, of, course, of course. Keep in mind this is juice mixed with like crumbs of of cookie, and then they're smacking each other in the face with it. Right. <laughs> So that was that was a complete failure. So th- they are incapable of teaching themselves. They need to learn from somebody else, you know, proper table manners. So they enlist the help of Molly and James, which this right away I was like, Molly and the Tibbles, this is a combo I never knew that I wanted. Because Molly is Molly can be cool, but she's also very can be no nonsense as well. So they decide to take them to the sugar bowl and kind of test them out, see where they're at. So they do the right thing first by letting them sit down. But then, um, what what do they do? They they, they start screaming for some reason. Do you remember why? I just, I don't remember either, but, you know, it's the Tibbles, you guys. You can imagine what they're doing. Uh, So they start, man, it's going to drive me nuts. I forget exactly why. Um... You know, they ask, they ask for root beer, and then they just basically start yelling, and everybody starts looking at them, and immediately Molly's like, all right, get out. We're leaving. And they're like, well, what did we do? So instead, not even teaching them table manners, Molly's trying to teach them social cues, which I also have the note here, Molly's the coolest. I love her. Um, because she's trying to tell every she's like, do you, would you like it if you were trying to eat and somebody was screaming in your face? Oh, that was it. They, you know... They said, we want ice cream. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream. And they're just yelling at the top of their lungs. So Molly is being very strict with them and just like, would you like would you like that? As I said, would you like it if somebody was screaming in your face while you were trying to eat? And they're like, I guess not. It's just, I try, I am trying to rein in my visceral feelings of anger towards them because they're young and they literally don't understand they're just, they just don't understand what kind of nuisances they're being. So Molly gives them the the order of when you're in public, stop, look, and listen. And that's what you should be doing to make sure that you are not disturbing anybody and that you're being as as good as you possibly can be, which is a kind of social nuance that the Tibbles obviously hadn't learned yet. And I thought it was a good kind of Way to sum up exactly, yeah, going beyond table manners. 
So we did. We do get a little montage of the Tibbles learning to stop, look, and listen. <laughs> My favorite was the first one. They go into the library, and they start loudly struggling over a book. And they're just like, wait a second, stop. And they look around, and they see everybody like quietly reading or browsing. And it's very, you know, it's, it's a library. It's very toned down. They're just like, oh, okay. Shh, we need to be quiet. And then just go like, eh. like, they start struggling over the book quieter, which I thought was funny. They also they also have some other some other places where they kind of do the stop look and listen thing, um, you know, using utensils at uh, <laughs> during a meal with Mrs. Tibble, which apparently they had to be taught. Holding the door open for Mrs. Tibble as she's going in with the groceries, they're just kind of learning to pick up on social cues, so they don't need to be told everything. And they decide to put themselves to the test when they go to the mall with Mrs. Tibble. They ask to go to Mill Creek Munch. And they, because they want to prove that they can be taken somewhere nice uh, to treat their grandma. So they're being, they're being nice. They're being quiet. They're on good behavior. Timmy accidentally elbows his glass of orange juice and it spills everywhere. And everybody kind of looks at them and Tommy, like you can see the gears turning in Tommy's head because he's just like, (laughs) okay, that means that it's time for me to spill mine. And then they stop, look and listen. And Timmy just goes, I'm sorry, Grandma, I didn't mean to. And of course, you know, everybody, as as Mrs. Tibble says, everybody spills from time to time. It's okay. So they just clean it up, and they go about their day, and it's fine. And it's actually like a nice little bit of improvement. They like, And I had the note here, bless them, they are actually trying. So I need to make sure I point that out so I'm not being completely unfair to them. True. But finally, we actually, th- this was how the episode ended. I wasn't even really sure where it was going. So... For Grandparents' Day, uh, Mrs. Tibble takes them to a place where, uh, the where they can actually kind of be themselves, and it's appropriate. They go to like a medieval times style, not so much medieval times because it's not like an arena, but it is a medieval style restaurant where there are no utensils. It's kind of like um, what would you call the seating that they're in, where it's just kind of like a long table. Yeah, they're like pews or something, but not quite. It's like it's like yeah, it, it, it's it's. Like you said, a long table, a medieval style table. Cafeteria style seating, maybe? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like an indoor uh, park bench, but long. Yeah. So, and everybody's eating like giant turkey legs with their hands and stuff like that. Because Mrs. Tibble saw how good that they were being. So she wanted to go somewhere where they could all relax. And so they don't need to use utensils. All they need to do is put the bib on and just go to town. And everybody's happy. And this is the kind of happy medium and a little bit of a reward. Uh, The restaurant's name, by the way, is called Fit for a King, which is a great restaurant name. And that's that's the end of the episode. The Tibbles actually make good for once. So credit to them where I normally don't give it. All right, it's time for us to take a look and uh, review the episode a little bit. Let's go back to Arthur Sells Out. What did you make of this one? I actually was really entertained by Arthur Sells Out. Uh, it's a very funny episode. Lots. I had lots of great lines written down. Um, I really liked the way they incorporated all those kind of season one throwbacks. Uh, I liked the way they used uh, Muffy as sort of the devil on Arthur's sold- shoulder. 
uh, uh, teaching him the, you know, evil ways of capitalism. Um, I liked the way they used Buster as kind of like this naive, the, the angel on, on Arthur's shoulder. Just his shock and awe when Arthur uh, uh, swindled James, I thought was like a really standout sequence in the episode. Uh, I liked the whole concept of the fake video game. I thought it was fun to see all the objects that Arthur was selling and the way he sold them. And I think uh, the the though you pointed out, um, the conclusion kind of cheats because I think it would be more interesting if the game kind of ruled and was awesome and Arthur instead chose to do the right thing instead of playing the fun video game. Uh, so they do kind of cop out at the end by, one, making the game bad, and two, still letting Arthur play it because Buffy gets it. Uh, but with the exception of that ending, I thought it was a, it was a fun episode. I was pretty entertained throughout. I agree. The ending was a little weak in in terms of I think it kind of betrayed the the intent of our, of Arthur's big decision a little bit. I think it would have been better if the game would have ruled and Arthur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, exa- exactly what you I, said. I, I actually didn't notice it as much until you pointed it out, though, because I was so excited to see what the game looked like that I kind of <laughs> forgot about all that. And I was like, tried. I was like, oh my god, they're playing this weird game on this Dreamcast where the character doesn't animate. That said, I agree with you. I liked this episode, too. I thought it was a very interesting um, thing for Arthur to talk about, and it it shows how the show can modernize itself by talking about what like the ethics of selling stuff online or just being your own marketplace uh, in a very kid-friendly way. I thought that the way that it, uh, it progressed was fun. I liked Muffy's role in this. I thought that she had a perfectly good role to play and showed that she's, you know, a very can be very competent at certain things. So I appreciate that Muffy is not as helpless as she is sometimes made out to be. And uh, Arthur had to make some real ethical choices here. And aside from the very end of it, I thought that it represented it pretty well. So I would say this is a this is a thumbs up for me. Uh, positive episode with some really funny lines too here and there. Um, so I'm I'm I was I was happy happy to watch it. Uh, I would also say that I liked Mind Over Manners, but uh, a little bit less than Arthur Sells Out. I'd say Sells Out is my favorite of the two, but Mind Over Manners, I appreciate what's being what's being done for here. Now, of course, this is another instance of the second half of an episode being something that is directed a bit more towards kids and towards little, little kids. And clearly what's meant to be taken away here is the idea of social cues of stop, look and listen, understand your environment and act accordingly, which can be a hard lesson to impart, especially if you're a bit more uh, towards the tibble end of the spectrum, like uh, our young buddy Lucas. But uh, it's, it's a good lesson to try and learn. I think this is an effective way to do it for in order for a younger mind to understand it. And I do have to give the characters credit. They are actually trying. Like, they're not just... Like, sometimes they're just represented as monsters, essentially, of just, like, basically, like, little sharks. Like, they don't care about anything. They just want to destroy. And just, like... I like it better when we allow the Tibbles to be to be human, when we humanize them a little bit. And then that way, they can be their messy and uh, horrendous selves, but because you know that that's not all that they are. They're not just like little evil trolls. They can actually change and get better. So this was actually pretty nice. I also do, I wish we got to spend more time with Mrs. Tibble. And uh, I would love some more focus on her in the future. And I would love an episode with her and Grandma Thora. That's what, that would be great for me. So, yeah, not a whole lot in terms of, you know, it's mostly a message episode for little kids. But I thought it was entertaining enough. And it is nice just to see the Tibbles progress in a way. We know, And this won't lead to lasting change or anything like that. But it's, 
it is kind of good to see, like, oh, okay, they are capable of learning. Yeah, I'm a little conflicted about Mind Your Manners. I, yeah. I really I really like kind of the impetus for the episode. Like, I love the way it opens and her trying to find a... Uh, uh, a, a babysitter and I like that from the jump the Tibble's heart is in the right place even though they don't really know what to do with that positive inclination right like they want to do something nice for their grandmother but they're so chaotic and 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 misbehaved that it, it they just keep screwing up at every turn and I really like the way the episode ties up uh, sort of with them really trying their best and like you said learning and growing and I also love that um, Molly kind of was their their teacher in that sense. The more we see of Molly and James, uh, the better. Two, two James spawnings in this episode. Uh, and I, I like the way it ends, too, where they go to the medieval times, and I thought that was a fun twist. I think my problem is there's maybe one too many sequences of this the Tibbles being rambunctious and gross. Like, I think we got the point across with the first two, and by the time we get to the third, where it's just like, and it's funny, but... I started to check out what it was just kind of the Tibbles misbehaving after the Tibbles misbehaving. It was like, it made the episode feel really long because um, it's a little samey in the middle. Uh, right. With, with that being said, uh, I think, you know, when you look at the episode as a whole, it's, it's an interesting episode and I don't necessarily think it's bad. But yeah, I could do without kind of three to four different separate set pieces of the the Tibbles just basically being the Tasmanian devil. Uh, I think you could have conveyed kind of, oh, the Tibbles don't behave well uh, in in fewer. I know it's trying to like show that like, like for instance, the last sequence, like the one where they're pretending to do etiquette, the purpose is that they're they're trying, they're making an effort, but it's just so like, they're like slathering on this like gunk on each other's faces. And I just, <laughs> I it's funny, but I also just kind of started to check out. I was like checking my clock being like, oh my goodness, how long is this episode? So um, yeah, I, I, not necessarily wholly negative on it, but a little bit conflicted. Okay, I understand what you're saying. And I, I think that's where a lot of my frustration comes from when it's like the Tibbles... When, when that's all we see of them is this kind of like slathering each other in mud and guck and all this kind of stuff. And just like, well, why are we doing this? I think by the all-time greatest Tibble episode is still the one where, and I can't remember who it is, but it's either Tommy or Timmy is sick. Uh, yes. And then we get to see the complete change in behavior. That's a fascinating episode. And, and you get to see what it takes to be a Tibble, essentially, and it's actually really hard work that only they, <laughs> that only they are suited to do. Yeah, so um, I, I, would, I would say a uh, sol- solid episode, and uh, was very happy to spend some time with this, and we're happy that you chose to spend time with us as well. And you'll get plenty of opportunities to do that as we are getting ready to wrap up this episode of Elwood City Limits. Now, I can't exactly tell you um, what's going to be coming next week for our patrons for our next episode for the kids because this is up to another listener vote. The poll is currently active for all of our patrons on patreon.com slash Limits. And we have four options to choose from. I won't tell you what's winning. I don't want to sway your vote one way or the other. But I can tell you that the four shows that uh, one of which we will choose to do an episode about include Word Girl, Booba, Maya and Miguel, and Dinosaur Train. So we are still waiting to see who will take home the win and who we will be, which show we will be talking about next week on For the Kids for our Patreon listeners. But we know exactly what we'll be talking about in two weeks for the next episode of Elwood City Limits. Now, this um, the title of this episode certainly has me intrigued. 
We're going to be talking about Buenos Noches Visita and Prunella packs it in. Whoa, both of those very intriguing. Yeah, two characters. I mean, Prunella has gotten some featured episodes before, but it has been a while. And Visita, we have not heard from her in what feels like seasons. So I'm really wondering what's going on with her. And uh, we hope that you will continue to join us for episodes down the road. We are getting up to the end of the year. My goodness. And we're going to be keeping things going as we approach the holiday season. Next time you'll hear from us, it will be, well, it'll be Christmas. I mean, you could you could argue it's Christmas time now, and I support that. But it's like, it's going to be really Christmas time by the next time you hear from us. So we'll be happy to break out the jingle bells and uh, ring in the, that time of the season with you when we return here on Elwood City Limits or if you're a patron next week on For the Kids. That's right. If, My- you, if you're looking for Christmas wrecks, I just posted, uh, you know, all these people are talking about Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Uh, and, and, you know, me, big Gremlins fan, Gremlins also a Christmas movie. But if you're looking for some other kind of outside uh, Christmas wrecks, I posted on Twitter today. Uh, you know, there's lots of great options that aren't just Die Hard. Metropolitan, uh, Wilt Stillman movie, great, great sort of, uh, 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 costume, uh, uh, black comedy, Wilt Stillman movie, very dry humor. Uh, Go, great Pulp Fiction ripoff from the late 90s, uh, Katie Hobbs, uh, taking, uh, taking place on Christmas, a rave on Christmas, super fun movie. And of course, uh, the legendary Eyes Wide Shut, uh, which is, of course, a Christmas movie as well, Will. So, uh, you know, those wrecks on my Twitter uh, for this Christmas season. Did you see that they released a uh, new vinyl? For, I did uh, see that. I did see that. I don't really remember the soundtrack to Eyes Wide Shut, besides like it being like those really uh, ominous kind of piano chords. Uh, but... Uh, Still, excited. I'm a big fan of that movie. I think it's underrated uh, in, in Kubrick's uh, filmography. So that, that definitely checking that out. And I will have to and I will have to recommend, of course, a Christmas classic that I adopted in the last couple of years is It's a Wonderful Life. Trust me, it is that good. Your your parents and your grandparents have probably been talking about It's a Wonderful Life for decades and decades. It is that good. And I'm glad that I got past my own personal bias and checked it out. Also, a new movie that is indeed that good. Speaking of Arthur, Arthur Christmas. Now, this isn't an Arthur movie. It's a CGI movie about the Santa Claus family. I assure you, it's way better than it sounds. It's awesome. It's like a it's a yearly tradition for my wife and I. So Arthur Christmas and It's a Wonderful Life. And there's plenty more. Maybe we'll sprinkle in some more as December goes along. But thank you so much for joining us once again. My name's Will Young, and that's Elwood City Limits. And for Lucas Mancini. Even the Woogle? We'll see you next time.